We're into it already. Uh, welcome to the We've Solved Nothing podcast, uh, another edition of where we do David's work for him. Because, um, <laughs> well, this is kind of a class. It's not really a class for you. Where are we and what are we doing? Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> it's the well, least I'll, I could do. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I, I don't know if we could say we're at Wild Rose Brewery, but I just did, I guess. Uh, so this is a first annual, well, we've done something similar to this, but this is the first time that we've done exactly this. So uh, Ethan Green and his colleagues on the alumni committee, so Ethan's a sessional faculty and an alum himself, uh, having left Mount Royal, gone down to Wichita State University, go Shockers, is that right? And then up to North Dakota State, go Bisons, with a Z. Uh, and so now teaching sessionally for us. So he, he kind of came up with this plan. Right. So this is an opportunity for us to bring together our current students, some alumni. This is a chance for us to celebrate some people that are graduating. And along with us here, Rob, is... Is this our, fir- is this our first guest? Yeah. Or you're, you're the first guest. Well, no, I'm not the guest. I'm the co-host. That's how it works. You're the other co-host. We've been doing this right. for like four years. Actually, you know, that is a good point. This is our first official guest. I think it's our first podcast. guest. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Julie Book, who is the coordinator of the Sport and Recreation Program in the Department of Health and Physical Education, has been with our department since 2008. Did I get Seven. that? 2007. Um, has a background in recreation. Did a, a, a big research project with the Respect in Sport program. Yep. Um, and did some work in Maine with more on the outdoor pursuit side of things. Black bears. Go black bears. Right. Uh, yeah. So, Julie, are you able to kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are, and then we'll, we'll get right into the podcast. That's the world's laziest podcast. You've got to do your own <laughs> introductions. Uh, sure. What can I add? So I'm Julie. I grew up in Winnipeg and went to University of Manitoba, did an undergrad in recreation, uh, then I worked in Florida on with an Outward Bound school for a number of years. How did I forget Florida, but I remembered Maine? I don't know. Hmm. Maine was more recent. Okay. Okay. Then Florida went to Missouri. Uh, worked at University of Missouri, Mizzou. Go Tigers! Go Tigers! Uh, then home to uh, Winnipeg to do a master's in recreation, and then uh, then Maine. Uh, worked at the University of Maine, sort of half-time teach, half-time running an outdoor program. Came to Calgary, went to UFC for a little while. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Knew I wanted to teach back in recreation, so was lucky enough when Mount Royal had a position. uh, Finished my PhD at UFC and been there ever since at Mount Royal. And here we are. And here we are. Excellent. Yeah. So, Rob, you and I, how many of these have we done? How many of your... uh, This is the first live at a bar one we've done. Um, I'd say we've probably done 30. Over the history, a, lo- a lot to do with Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, well, and Paralympics. For the love of, like, how many times do I have to say that to you? And Paralympics. Yeah, we've done a lot on Paralympics too, and so, esport. Oh, sorry. No, okay. So this came about. Yes, I would say uh, because you and I would run into each other mm-hmm. at a variety of events, and we would chat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said, you know, we should really record our conversations. And I think I said, nah, I'm not so sure about that. No, I'm not uh, sure that's what you said. I think you said, absolutely, when can we start? (laughs) I love nothing more than hearing myself talk. Exactly. So we just started, and we would do it in one take, as we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we recognized that our conversations meandered, didn't necessarily result in any 
conclusion. Hence the name. Hence the name. That's good to know for me. <laughs> Hence the name. We've solved nothing. So we've done approximately thirty of these. Easily. Yeah. They are. E- they are trending. Uh, Certainly. You can get them at iTunes. You can get them at Stitchers. You can get them everywhere. Good podcasts are sold, right. except this one's free. Okay, so that's, that's the introduction. So now we're, yep. we're looking at, I don't know, let's say 40, 40 of our best and brightest alumni and current students, and they represent, certainly the alumni, kind of the, the, the pinnacle of the sport and recreation system here in the Calgary and the Bow Valley. So where do you want to take this? What uh, <laughs> Where do you want to go with this? So when I got here, I walked up to you and said, what are we doing? Is, <laughs> is this like the one we did a couple weeks ago? What are we doing? And you seemed at that time to have a, somewhat of a plan for this. So now you're asking me? Well, I was setting you up. I was throwing you a lob. I see. Clearly you didn't accept it. No. Well, I, to me, we've done the Calgary and, and we've discussed that. But with the benefit of our guest, I think we can have maybe a wide, far more wide-ranging conversation. Okay. All right. Well, let's do that. Okay. Um, I think we should talk about recognizing that we've got alumni and students that are graduating here. I think we should talk about what are the most pressing issues facing the sport and recreation industry right now hmm. in the Calgary and Bow Valley corridor. What are the, what are the hot topics? Now, we're not going to solve them because clearly we don't do that. But let's at least identify them. Let's recognize what is pertinent, what's burning, what needs to be discussed and understood? You're the guest. Go ahead. So, Julie, can I throw that down to you? <laughs> so, preparing for this, I asked Dave, I said, <laughs> should we have a conversation and chat about everything? Dave said, I don't need to. <laughs> Clearly, he was somewhat prepared. Uh, I had a conversation with my sister-in-law on the way here, and her suggestion was, just go back and say, Dave, I think you should start this one. But hmm. uh, no, I'm good to start. I think from my perspective, um, things that are occupying my mind, uh, really in the, I think the recreation and minor sport world are um, behavior in sport. So as you said, a, a lot of stuff on the respect in sport. So yep. just behavior in the sport um, with regards to parents and the true meaning of sport and why kids are involved in sport. Um, I, I think how people treat each other through sport. So whether that's... Um, Again, parents to kids, parents to parents, kids to kids, so bullying in sport, racism in sport. Uh, again, all, looking at the, the minor, I think that that's something that we need to understand more to really get back to uh, the true meaning of sport. That's, that's one thing. Well, I, I think it's a big thing. Yes. Right? I think it's because if, if I was to start, I would have said, I think the biggest challenge we have in front of us is recruitment. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll go so far as to say, I think one of the biggest challenges we have in front of us is to recruit parents to allow kids to free play. I would go that far. I would suggest that when we grew up, not to be the old people looking down our noses at the young people, but those those streets that had street hockey games, those uh, those ball diamonds that had pickup games, those soccer fields that just had kids, they're not there. It's not there. And I think there's so much negativity, so much bathwater drinking about – safety and protocols and getting to the next level and elitism and all of those sort of things that we are beginning to rob children of just the simple basic opportunity to play well and i would even go so far as say it's not even just the opportunity the lack of opportunity is kids don't know how to play anymore Mm -hmm. 
so they don't know how to I just the other day I was walking with my daughter to a friend's house and we were going to knock on the door and she was petrified and she's like is this okay and I said yeah it's absolutely okay because we don't do that anymore right, right. we text ahead of time and say is it okay if I come so that running next door to play I, I think doesn't happen as much anymore so yeah I would agree well and there were authors that were uh, suggesting this was going to be happening years ago. There, uh, I think the Bowling Alone book and talking about the isolation of people. And, and I would suggest that the loss of uh, community congregation, whether it's through a church, whether it's through social clubs, whether it's through, I would even say schools. Uh, children aren't walking home from schools now. No. Um, so they're, they're getting picked up from the school and right. delivered to somewhere else. And so... We're lacking cohesion socially. I'd say we're lacking opportunities to play. So, so children are not collecting at the local playground. They're not collecting at the local fields. And if they are, it's very rigid. So, are they losing the opportunities, or are we choosing not to allow them to? See, I'm not sure that the opportunities have gone away. I think that this over—I'm not sure if anybody saw it, but there was a fascinating article in the New Yorker two weekends ago. I think I shared it with you. We, we keep going in these different degrees of parenting. And, the, mm. the, the, you know, it was helicopter parenting. Now, oh, the, the, the bulldozer the, bu- the bulldozer. Yeah, sorry, the, well, yeah, <laughs> but we saw it with that college scandal yeah. down south where you've got millions of dollars being spent by parents to make sure their kids can go to school. We've already seen that in sport. We're already seeing that. And to me, that just that whole idea of, of robbing the child of the experience should be it should be illegal. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. Your child should fall on their face. Your child should fall from a tree. Your child should fail and learn from all of that. Yet, it seems like the system is now being rigged so that all the way along, you know, we can get to the elite and the elite gets told, well, it's not your fault. It's never your fault. But we don't need that. We need free time. We need tag. We need, we've got to allow the kids. And that's why I go back to, I think, I think within our lifetime, we're going to have to recruit parents to let their kids play outdoors. <laughs> I think it all comes down to Facebook. Um, <laughs> and the pressure that even as a, as a parent, we feel about ensuring that our child excels and that our child is the one who plays on the under-17 team. Yep. Um, and our child is the one that gets the, the gold star and whatever it is. Right. And so... We're not, you know, so we, we buy into the, you know, the 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we cannot allow our child to play freely and just kind of waste time. They got to be, they got to be making the grade. Well, and they, then you think of the programming, right? If they're all involved in that, they have no time, right? So, and then homework, if there is homework and they need to excel at school. And some schools don't have homework and then there's a whole side of that. But um, when, when can they run outside mm-hmm. and play, right? Mm-hmm. So I live right across from a park. And it, there's kids there for sure, but it's not like not how I grew up. No, not no. how we grew up. The whole street and, yeah. Not, not what yeah. we used to be. It's funny, who came up with the 10,000 hours? Who's, who's, well, who's, that was, I mean, I think that was based off of a violin playing in Germany or something. Yeah, like but it, it, who made it popular? Malcolm. No, Malcolm yeah. Gladwell. Right. Did anybody see Malcolm at the Sloan uh, Analytics Conference a month ago? He, re- he rebutted his yeah. own, right? Yeah. He yeah. did. He rebutted it. He popularized it. it. He popularized yeah, it, he's but, he's, yeah. but he's walked it back because it's been weaponized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, 10,000 hours. He said 10,000 hours. We got to go do 10,000. No, it's a theory. Yeah. It's a theory. So, again, I, I, I think, and as a parent, I feel, I feel that pressure. Um, do you? I do. Uh, 
Are you a parent? I am a parent. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay, um, so we're all parents here. I, I feel that pressure to measure up um, insofar as my child uh, achieving a certain standard. Um, I do. I, like, you know, the, the seven deadly sins, and jealousy is one of them. Um, you know, and, and, and perhaps wishing that your child was the one who was getting drafted. Uh, or was playing for that that elite team, and I, I listen. I don't. I don't spend a lot of time dwelling on it and worrying about it. But I do know it impacts me. Um, and again, I blame Facebook, I, because when I was growing up, my circle was about three kilometers outside of my home. Um, yep. That's that's as far as I knew. Uh, and my parents were the same. They they interacted with a, a social network with about a three kilometer radius. Right. Um, so they didn't know about you know the peop- the top you know the the, the top two thousands and the draft year and stuff like that. Like that was just an unknown entity. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure. I, I were I, I I think the way you said it. I wish there's things that I wish as a parent, but I I really try and stay out of that whole side because you can't win, right? No, you're chasing your tail. And my, and my daughter doesn't like sports, so <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of... Okay, so we're talking so we talk about kids and participating and yeah. a lack thereof. Right. Yep. What else? What's another key issue? What's a burning issue? Well, I, you know, it, it branches to what you were talking about right off the get-go, which to me is, you know, how do we view sport? How do we view its value? How do we view, you know, at the participation? I mean... How many people are staying out of sport because they don't want to be around other parents? Because they've seen <laughs> no, but right, we we know about hockey parents or we know about dance moms or whatever. How many people are you know just staying the head? I'm not having anything to do with it. Yep, or kids leaving sport for bullying. Absolutely, yep, absolutely. And I would, I, I mean, just to increase that even more, I think with the changing demographics of new Canadians and all of that plays a big role in how we treat people and the value of sport and making sure sport is accessible. Sport and recreation, right, yeah. um, is accessible. Yeah. You don't buy it. No, no, I, I, no. That's that's a tough. That's a tough one to disagree with. Um, there's always, there's always nuance to it. Sure. Um, there's always exceptions to rules. I, I, I wonder too, if there's just so many more options now that we just see a dilution in what people are doing. Um, again, I think about the sports that I played as a child. You play baseball in the summer. <laughs> you played hockey in the winter. Right. Uh, you played basketball or you play football in the fall and you may maybe play basketball or volleyball there was maybe a handful of options. Um, but now with so many, uh, combinations and permutations, it just dilutes the whole thing. Well, it's interesting because you're talking about inclusion mm-hmm. and new Canadians. Uh, I know again, this podcast is, is hosted on sport Calgary and we do two events every year, one for kids and one for adults. It's every, uh, all sport, one cities for adults, all sport, one days for kids. And in June, this June we'll offer, over 80 different sports for kids to try for free, right? Um, to, it's fair. I think it's fair. But I, I don't look at that as a negative. To me, that should be used as a positive. That goes back to what I talked about before. That, you don't want, you know, you're afraid of hockey? Then try this. Then try that. It's never been greater. But again, where, where is everybody going? Where is everybody being pushed? Well, listen, you and I have talked about this a lot and, the, you know, the, the beauty of eSports. Um, and I suspect that that's where a lot of those young people are going. 
Well, then let's ask the person who hasn't been with us in those conversations. <laughs> How do you see eSport? How do you see gaming? You know, video games are not new. Like, it's a little bit of a misnomer to say, I mean, I grew up in arcades, but the accessibility, the the the, the profile of them have never been greater. So where do you see them fit? But I, you grew up in arcades. You had to go out somewhere where other people were playing. You weren't playing in your basement on your, on your own. Well, I'm old enough to remember Atari and a television. I mean, that was in my youth. But we the expense of it, cottage. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think they're going. I don't think they're going away. Uh, do, I, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't love it. Um, I worry about what it will do to, to engagement and sport and being active and meeting other people and all of that stuff that I think we know about. Uh, but I don't think it's going away. So I think we have to figure out uh, and learn more about what it is and, and how to uh, work with it. I had a conversation, it might have even been you, Ethan. Was it you and I were talking the other day about... Um, yeah, Ethan. You know, even when you think about, <laughs> like, spin... Spin, you can now do races. You're part of the Tour of France. So it's, it's been, in, like, right, technology. Apparently there are more people that are doing Peloton than actually riding real bikes. Really? Yeah. But that's been around for a while, right? The idea of the big screen with people yeah. doing oh, things. Oh, okay, yeah. but, but is that, okay, so hold on then. Is that bad? If you're participating and you're physically active, but you're inside versus outside, if you're non-traditional versus what we consider traditional, the fact that you're still active is that bad? I, is it the best it could be? Yeah, that, that's a very that's well. A good point. I can't get hit by a car on my penal, <laughs> or Peloton or whatever, right? I can't be going so fast that a bird goes up my nose. But there's okay, but there's a loss of the social element and connecting with the outdoors, which again we know is another yeah. hot topic now too. The idea of connecting with outdoors. And so, if everything that we're doing is in isolation. And buy yourself. But is that sports? Is that sports's responsibility? Well, no. But I think. Well, I think I think that's a role that sport or, has or recreation. Played. I guess sport and recreation has yeah. played for generations. And so you know, with video games, again, my my son will be playing online, and I'll crap on him for not being with his friends, and he'll look at me and saying, "I'm with my friends right now." I'm like, "Well, where are they?" Um, and they're all they're all online with him. And you might have friends from other countries that, I mean, there's a benefit there you could talk about, right? Yeah. Like, so the but I think, I don't know, I still think that there's an implication of social contact, being with people, having face-to-face conversations, mm-hmm. having to interact with other humans uh, that is being lost. And I think that has implications. I would suggest that the, you know, the rise in nationalism that we're seeing politically is in some respects a result of that. People are putting up walls. People don't know how to interact with other different people. They isolate themselves. They are only interacting through an online medium, whether that's Peloton or whether that's uh, a video game. And I think that's increasing our... Uh, we're fearful, almost. We're, we, we're untrustworthy. Uh, we, we just don't... We, we don't know how to interact with other people on a human contact. And I think... Playing in the playgrounds, playing games, having to interact with your community as a young person through sport and recreation is, I think that's a result of, of that loss. <laughs> there you go. Trumpism. Donald Trump is a well, result okay, of the okay. loss of play. All you're doing is trolling me. So, <laughs> I'll tell you. Here, I'll give you my theory on this. I think the rise of nationalism, I think all the, 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 this whole alt news, fake news, BS, here it is. 
Bottom line, we're not letting kids participate the right way in sport. We're babying them. We're protecting them. We're not. Leaders, the best leaders in the world have been captains on their teams. That's fact. That oh, it is sport, not fact. It is fact. <laughs> it's fact. fact. Winston Churchill was the captain of the caber tossing team. Everybody knows that. <laughs> okay, so it may not be fact, but it's an opinion that I have. That if you participate, if you have good coaching and the right kind of coaching, the coaching is not so freaking worried about wins and losses, but is worried about human development, is worried about interaction, yeah, is lo- worried about that. teaching. See, we, we've gone to this, again, I'm trying so desperately not to cast my finger at the elite athlete because I don't, I don't think it's the elite athlete's fault, but I think in our search for elite athletes and our search for the economic benefit of elite athletes and the marketplace that has come by servicing them. Well, my kid might be a Western hot. Well, then he better go to an academy, and he better have this scout, and he better have this coach, and he better have... If we just freaking let them play summer sports in the summer and winter sports in the winter, <laughs> let them fail, it's about learn from failure, right? But we don't. We coddle. We can't fail. It's not Johnny's fault. They put Jimmy on the team, and Jimmy's not that good, so he cost Johnny his opportunity. Don't worry, Johnny. It's Jimmy's fault. Then you end up with an orange-haired monkey in the White House pointing his finger and tweeting all the time. Oh, so you're, you're, hang, you're criticizing me. No, I'm not. I'm agreeing with you. But that's how I feel. I, I do. I, I think leadership, I think... We, if you go into any arena, and I, I apologize to anybody involved in hockey who doesn't agree with me, and I, this is just an, one man's opinion. You go into any arena right now, and it's poster after poster after poster after poster after poster about seven-year-olds to 19-year-olds. Let me teach you how to turn left. Let me teach you how to take a slap shot. Let me teach you how to skate backwards. Great, awesome, fantastic, but you don't need it when you're 40 years old. Teach me how to be a leader. Teach me how to be a follower. Teach me how to lose. Teach me how to take the great things out of... Let's get out of hockey. Football, great team sport. Basketball, team sport. Even individual sports. Teach me how to lose so that I know how to recover, so that I know how to be resilient, so that when I'm 40 years old going, well, it didn't go my way, it's his fault. (laughs) Right? You were taking amphetamines before No, I wasn't. (laughs) You you struck a nerve, Dave. (laughs) Anyway, you guys talk now. So, okay, but how do we change this? Um, And I... I'm not one, one child at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think we're fighting a, a pretty uphill battle um, against the internet, against iPhones, against online gaming. So, I, in some respects, I think we have to embrace it and figure out a way to work within it. Uh, that would be my opinion. But I, I am not sure how to do that. And I say that as a parent. I say that as an academic. I say that somebody in the sport and recreation industry. Um, with, with major games, hosting eSports. Uh, um, Durham College, just outside yep. of Toronto, yep. uh, has just purpose-built an arena mm-hmm. for eSports as a club sport. I think, I think eSports is becoming a club team at Mount Royal um, yep. in the next year or so. So it's coming. It, then it's a question of, you know, I, I, you know, rumors abound about the opportunities of eSport being, you know, participating here in Calgary um, with, you know, Overwatch teams. So yep. I think... I think it's coming. I, I don't think we can. I, you know, I see some colleagues here. I was at a um, an esport event at Telespark, and it was fascinating to watch. Uh, but it's it's coming. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, I, I don't think we can fight against it. I, again, I think we have to figure out what. How do we work with it? So maybe perhaps we just have to recognize 
that whatever barriers there are to sport and recreation, we have to minimize them even more. And we have to perhaps do a better job. I mean, is it the, is it the, my friend David Finch always says it to me, is it the marketer's fault or is it the customer's fault if they don't buy the product? And Absol- it's, absolutely. it's always the marketer's fault. It's absolutely. never the customer's fault. So if we're absolutely. not, if people aren't buying what we're selling, maybe we need to sell it differently. Oh, absolutely. But, it, you know, I lost my mind there. The fact <laughs> is all of those posters are up in arenas because it works. All of those posters are up there because people want that. They're asking sure. for that. Sure. They're getting that. You asked me, can we change that? And that's why I jumped back to the original uh, point that I made. I think we're going to get to a point where we have to recruit parents. And that's what it's going to come down to. And we're going to have to recruit them with a really good message, a solid message, because as we sit up here, you know, turning the calendar into our 50s and our 60s and our 70s, all of these things that we look at and go, well, they were fantastic. That's the way to bring everybody. They're mm-hmm. now distant. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. now distant. Absolutely. And the technology, you know, you talk about the role of technology, you, you can't just, what are you going to do? Put your hands up in the air and go, well, we got a ban? No, you're not. But you have to recruit and you have to benefit, you have to show benefit. And you have to, at some point it has to be a realization. But the, the most important person to me in this whole conversation is the parent. That is the decision maker, the person that has more influence on that child than anybody else. They have to make it okay. They have to say, my my wife has to say to my 12-year-old that it's okay to ride your bike to your friend's house. Yeah. Not resist the temptation of, yeah. where are you going? I'll drive you. Right? Or do you have your cell phone? It's, it's heresy for me to say this. But 18, any year old, 18 and younger, you don't need a cell phone. You shouldn't have one. But we give it to them for safety. And then, well, they have it for safety, so now they can play games on it. Stuff right. like that. We need to let kids be kids again. And that, back to the parent. They're the most important person in this pyramid. Well, I think it's educating the parents, so yeah. I think that's a word that's missing. I think we have to educate parents on what those things are, right? What are those benefits and yep. uh, and help them recognize and create the, the opportunities, which you mm-hmm. talked about, for parents to have their kids engage in those things. And that, I also think, is a community development thing. Um, I live in a, in a, a good community. People mm-hmm. look out for kids. Um, but I have a friend whose kids walk half a block to their school, and the first few times they were, like, calling. Are, you know your kids are walking yeah. at the... And then it became, okay, well, <laughs> craziness, right? And now they look out for each other, and they'll call each other, oh, yeah, I saw her make it to school, right? But at the beginning, it was more about how are you letting your kid walk to school half a block on their own? Exactly. So right. I think it's the education of, and then the, that community development stuff, which maybe we've, we've lost some of mm-hmm. that, right? Uh, your neighbors, do you know your neighbors anymore? Mm-hmm. Or we hoodwink them. Or we hoodwink them. <laughs> the parents or the kids? Pokemon Go. So Pokemon Go 2, okay. right? Okay, yeah. kids, to find Pikachu, you got to put the phone down and play soccer for an hour, and then Pikachu will come, right? Oh, well, I'll do that, I, I, you know, I, I, just bamboozle them. No, no, but I think, I think we do need to adapt, mm-hmm. um, and we need to adjust. And I think we do need to use, I think we do need to use technology. Mm-hmm. I think technology is part of the answer. Yeah. But you go back to that parent, the whole respect in sport, conversation about the parent was always fascinating because if I remember this correctly the initial kind of resistance to respect in sport was well I haven't done anything wrong it's not me it's him right (laughs) and somehow through perseverance Sheldon and Wayne have done an amazing job of now getting that buy-in what a decade later uh 2009-ish 10 yep wow yep that's when it started right but it's hard to tell parents that they need to be educated Oh, listen, I've, yeah, I always, right. I have, I've had to go through that process a new, n- number of times. 
and admittedly, I don't love doing it, mm-hmm. um, but I recognize the value of it and the importance of it, and I would probably be on the one end of the, of the bell curve, recognizing that it's an important aspect to cover. But yeah, I, I'm sure there are lots of people who resist it and don't particularly like it. Sure. And then, of course, you hear the jokes in the ring. Oh, that parent clearly didn't complete their respect and sport program. Yeah. Uh, and there's other programs starting, right? So we're sure. doing a study right now with the Dare to Care in Sport in, in a swimming club. And there, it's a face-to-face three-hour workshop, and they're requiring everybody to do it. So yeah. uh, I think that those are things that we have to do, right? And more as, as much as you might roll your eyes and say, oh, my God, i got to do this, uh, this program, uh, I think you've got to stick with that message to help with that. Let me bring in legislation. Do we need, because you're asking for the ways we, we change. Yeah. Do we need a body? I think, for instance, let's take Hockey Canada. I think baseball. There was four sports that came together and did a video last year about the importance of multi-purpose and multi-sport um, and playing different sports. Those are great, and it's good to promote it, but do we need sporting bodies? Do we need the government to step in and, and say, you know what, no more? You can only play. You can't. It's mandatory. Ice come out. Soccer pitches. Whatever it is. I, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Do you... Do you, do you you try to save them from themselves. I still think you'll have the entrepreneurs, though, of the world circumvent that and work around it. Um, so Hockey Canada can say programming under a certain age is going to be done on half ices. You, uh, football, uh, the CFL just announced today that they're promoting through Football Canada that all football, I think it's under the age of 12 now, will be non-contact. Uh, uh, under 8 and then I think in two years under 12. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're phasing it in. Okay. Yep. So through Football Canada, they will mandate that. So will there be an entrepreneur that sees this now as an opportunity to promote to dads like me who want their kids to be, you know, offensive tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, this <laughs> opportunity, you know, to... Now they're leaving. That's right, exactly. People are getting up and leaving. You know, this... This, uh, you know, you can, but, you know, so Football Canada is not going to allow it, but there's this elite program now where we believe that teaching them to tackle and teaching them to hit with helmets on at the age of eight is a good yeah. thing. Yeah, no, and then we've seen that. Yeah. That's the oh, model that's sure. set up right now, right? Yeah. 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 So, Rob, I know we've had a couple of questions uh, shared with us. You wanna, yeah, i got more we... things to say, David. Oh, uh, goodness. All right, here we go. Uh, in no particular order. Um, ten minutes, here are your, oh. <laughs> With depleting assets and sports infrastructure, is Calgary's sports identity declining? Hmm. The identity of Calgary. Well, listen, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it depends, it depends on what facilities we're talking about. And, um, you know, if you, if you look at recreation facilities, we're, we're ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the four purpose-built facilities in the last couple of years, uh, I would say actually we're the envy of the nation. So it depends, I think, on what element. You, you and I have had this conversation before. If we're talking about fly fishing um, from a world sport class. facilities perspective, world we're world class. Yeah. Um, you know, we're the only city with something like wind sport within the city limits. Mm-hmm. Um, from a, I'm even trying to think from a North American perspective. I can't off the top of my head think of a city, another city that would have that kind of sporting recreation venue within the city limits. So again, I would argue that we're ahead of the curve in that regard. Um, you know, the professional sport for, uh, facility side of things, I, you know, these discussions are ongoing. Um, but in, Calgary's an interesting city in that respect insofar as, you know, the support and, you know, kind of where people are at 
as it relates to whether they are willing to have taxpayer dollars go to professional sport facilities. And I, I think that's an interesting conversation, and I'm not really sure what it says about our city. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I would say it depends on what facilities you're talking about. Should we get to another? Should we get? We only got a few oh, minutes okay. left. Well, you agree. Yeah. Well, I get, I'm not going anywhere. All right. Uh, knowing the technology is not going away, how can you leverage it to promote participation in sport and recreation? Well, we kind of we talked a little bit about that, I guess. How could we use it to leverage more participation? Well, I think your example of Pokemon is a good one. Mm. You know, even as as faculty members, um, I have had to adapt. Uh, with technology Mm -hmm. and I can remember you know when the phones first came out you know I would get angry at students for you know texting and and stuff like that I would ask and now I mean I think as faculty members we have to enable our students to use the phones for good quote-unquote and how can we use technology for an educational perspective as opposed to simply outright banning them because that doesn't work it just didn't work so how can we use it? I mean, you know, the example of Peloton is an interesting one. People are still being physically active and mm-hmm. perhaps more so because they feel comfortable within the confines of their home and being able to do it when they're, when the, the schedule fits them as opposed to getting together with a group of friends on a Sunday morning and going for a long bike ride. But I still think we're missing an element to it. I still think we're missing that social side of it that is still something that is innately important to us as So humans. maybe you build off that, right? You build off the idea that people are doing it in their home for whatever reason it may be. Maybe they're not feeling comfortable to get out, but maybe after a while there is, and you bring those people together outside to do something or to, right? Like you, you can, it doesn't mean starting from scratch with anything, but I think that's what, it, when we talk about using technology that's already there and not fighting against it, yeah. how, do, how do we program and move forward with what it's being there? Um, you know, and how do we use it to get people active? So Pokemon Go is a great example. The example of the lights turning off to get people moving is a great example, right? Yeah. There's things. So I, I don't think we're ever going to be able to get rid of it. And, and I, maybe we shouldn't, right? It's done, it's done some good. Um, yeah. I, I'll just jump in. I, as, as negative as I seem to be, I think there is real opportunity here in technology. And I think augmented reality and virtual reality are really the keys. Think about this room and this space in here right now. If we just move the tables out and we used augmented or, or, pardon me, virtual reality, what could we be all participating in here hmm. and looking at? I mean, we, we just talked about, you know, fly fishing on the bow. If you wanted to learn how to fly fish, yeah. Yeah, good point. technically you could use the, you know, the way motion is now captured to get the, the proper, you know, the proper sets and things like that, you could have the glasses on, be in a room like this, and feel like you're fishing on a river. We could all be doing it, not bumping into each other, not <laughs> hooking each other with flies, but we could be doing it. To me, you know, that's the kind of promotion. And the other one thing, and I, that question was excellent. Again, it's not all negative. There's a, a company out of Calgary called Spike Bee, and <laughs> she created a, a, an app for moms that's all about um, uh, camps for kids and you you want to find out your price range you want to find out your sport or your activity and things like that that's one way that technology can help it can help activate people who are looking for opportunities and things like that back to parents you know uh, these types of things i think take away take away and kind of eliminate those opportunities if, if you can quickly find well you know my daughter's interested in this i will say the one thing when we look at technology, and it might be the communication part of it, we have to avoid is we, you know, if we're going to change something here, 
we can't write a letter to the editor. We can't put an editorial in the newspaper and go, well, we're going to change society. We have to learn to adapt to message the way everybody's messaging. That's the challenge for sport and recreation. To me, is you, you, at least have, you at least have to keep up with that curve. If everybody's on, you know, if it's an Instagram story to promote your sport, then that's where you've got to be, whatever the next one is. Yep. But I still think some of our leaders are old and set in our ways that, my God, this didn't go our way. Let's write a letter to the editor. <laughs> I just don't think letters to the editor and kind of that traditional media works anymore. Well, I think it comes back to the comment I made earlier you know, that my friend David Finch says, right? It's, if people aren't buying it, it's not the marketer, it's not the, mar- it's not the, s- the buyer's fault. Mm-hmm. It's the marketer's fault. And so as sport and recreation leaders, as industry uh, purveyors, I think we need to do a different and better job of encouraging and letting people know the benefits of participating and why they should be involved and how they can be better involved. And these kind of conversations, you know, the better utilization of, of Wild Rose Brewery, should, we should be down here more with more conversations like this. Here, this is the here. place to have it, right? Here, here. But no, but here we are. We're, we're lamenting the fact that people don't get together, but we found a way on a Wednesday night to get people together. And here we are talking. You know, it, it can be done. It's under the guise of beer, but it can be done. And, and th- these types of conversations, I think, are, are beneficial. These, these are the things we need to, you know, you can't have board meetings. You can't have the rules and you can't talk until we pass. Nah, let's get in the room and let's talk it out like people. I agree, Rob. I agree All right, too. that's it. That's David, <clears throat> we've solved nothing. Thank you, Rob. All right. No, thank our guest. Thank you, Julie. Julie, you're right. Well, it's true. (laughs) At the end of the day, uh, once again, we've solved nothing.